I'm Burt Weisbord, and my background is I produced movies for years uh, in the 70s and 80s, including Ghost Story with Fred Astaire and Raggedy Man with Sissy Spacek. And then I wrote some screenplays, and I eventually turned to books, and I've written four novels. The Three of them are part of a trilogy, the Corey Logan trilogy, the first of which is Inside Passage, then there's Teaser, and then Minos, and In Velvet, which is a standalone, which apparently you've read, which is set in and around Yellowstone Park. And I'm delighted to be able to talk to you because I've also read your book, which I found very interesting and riveting, uh, Criminals It is my pleasure to be visiting with you this morning. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. I am Sean McDaniel. I am from Billings, Montana. I reside in Billings now. I was born in Durango, Colorado. I grew up in Hobbs, New Mexico, so I've been around a little bit. And the last 25 years, I have spent in a hardcore gym causing pain and suffering as a personal trainer. Uh-huh. That's my day job. Fifteen years ago, I created a night job. I started writing. I was a contributing editor for Muscle Mag International, headquartered out of Toronto, for a little more than three years. And now, today, I'm sitting here talking to you. Well, I was delighted to hear that you'd read In Velvet and would be very interested in getting some of your reactions to that book. Okay, well, Bert, I spent a great deal of time growing up in Yellowstone. I lived in Hobbs, spent the winters in Hobbs, New Mexico, but my mom and stepdad live in Billings. So each summer we would come up to Billings from the age of six years old until I moved here at uh, 17. And every summer we would take a vacation to Yellowstone. And in reading your book, it really it brought to life the memories I have of Yellowstone, your descriptions of Yellowstone. You've obviously spent time there. Because you got the ambiance and the feel of the park exactly right. I've spent many, many, many weeks and weeks and weeks in that park. Once I had kids, I took them to Yellowstone. So in reading your book, the, the setting and the layout of the park, you researched it. You've been there. It is when I read the book, I'm back in Yellowstone. And I have fond memories and thoughts. I haven't been to Yellowstone in a couple of years now. But actually, when I read In Velvet, I was right back in Yellowstone. Bravo, you did a phenomenal job. Thank you very much. You know, I too took my kids there for, golly, I've been coming to the park for 25 years and uh, every year. And uh, I love Yellowstone. And, you know, I'm a fly fisherman. And and when my son was seven, we started fly fishing together, and he's now 36, so that gives you some idea of the time frame. And uh, we spent many wonderful trips in Yellowstone, and that's sort of where the genesis for this idea came from, just my impressions with the kids as they grew older. And so I was really, and now I go back, I sell in Velvet in the park for the past three summers. I go to the Delaware North General Stores at Old Faithful, at Fishing Bridge, and it's wonderful to talk to people about the book in the park. Uh, It's really a nice way to sell books because they're there, they're having the experience, and 
you know, we have nice conversations about what the park means to them. And so that's been worked out really wonderfully for me. Well, as you talk about Old Faithful Inn, Fishing Bridge, it, you put a picture in my mind right now. You know, I very much enjoy those places. I've spent many evenings there. And when you drop the characters in that you did, Rainy and Jesse, Rachel, Gummer, you know, Jen, Danny Mitchell, and then, of course, Willie Bugger. I mean, if <laughs> you, bring, you bring the story to life and uh, the eccentricities of some of the characters. Gummer, how can you not like Gummer? You know, Willie, a protagonist. I just, I think that you, and the, the premise of our U.S. government taking our most sacred national park, our first national park, Yellowstone Park, and experimenting with it in ways to, to develop weapons of mass destruction out of such a pristine and a beautiful setting as Yellowstone. I think the dichotomy of what you've done in your book with the, the beauty of Yellowstone Park and creating such an ugly, ugly uh, objective as weapons of mass destruction from that setting. Again, Bert, bravo. Your premise is brilliant, and you've obviously researched it. After reading your book, I researched it, and I found out, you know, you're not far off on this could be happening. We don't know. Well, yeah, I hope it's not. Let's put it that way. But I did spend a lot of time with wildlife biologists and virologists working out the science and particularly got interested in thermophile and the hot spring pools and sort of the unique properties of these microorganisms. And so at the very least, I think it's plausible. I'm not saying it's happening, but it's plausible. I hope it's plausible. But I, I understand that there are government teams that are doing research on these pools. Do we know what they're doing? I mean, do we I know what the government is doing? It makes one wonder. It, it, yeah, I'll tell you one interesting story, and then I would like to turn to your book for a minute. Uh, okay. I had I had dinner in L.A. with Tyson, and uh, we we partnered with the Yellowstone Park Foundation on this book, and we okay. uh, agreed to give them a portion of the royalties. Uh, and they set up a dinner with Tyson and I, and the superintendent of the park, who was reading the book that he hadn't finished it yet, and. We were in L.A. and we all met for dinner. And he and this is apropos of your comment, comment about Gummer. And he said, I don't know. I don't think we have rangers like Gummer in the park. And I said, finish the book. You'll be OK. You know, Gummer added a, just an absolutely wonderful dimension to the book. I liked Gummer very much. You know, he he definitely uh, he had his uh, way of doing things. And uh, I appreciate and I think the park should have a few gummers in it. Absolutely. And he actually turns around in a way that I think that the park would be proud of. I mean, you know. That, I agree. I agree. Now, can I? Um, your book, uh, I finished yesterday and it's sort of stayed with me. It is, as you know, unsettling and uh, deeply engaging. And uh, I'm curious what the genesis of this book was. And I'm also I'm interested because I wrote a book called Teaser, which is about a psychopath. And so I did a certain amount of research on this subject, too. And I really thought you did a really good job of sort of capturing the voice, Samuel's voice. 
And I, I guess I'd just like to hear a little bit about how you got interested in it and how long it took you to write it, so on and so forth. Okay. Well, thank you for asking. The genesis of this book comes from an article in a newspaper, May of 2005, 12 years ago. There was an individual, a man by the name of Jerry Hobbs. Jerry Hobbs, an ex-convict, just released from prison, in the article admitted in videotape and written statements to beating and stabbing his daughter, Laura Hobbs, and her nine-year-old friend to death. He stabbed the girls to death. He stabbed his eight-year-old daughter in both eyes. He is an ex-convict, just released, and there's a picture of this individual in the paper. And it was a Saturday morning. I was sitting in my office with one of my clients, a personal training clients, and her name was Cindy Kennedy. And I said, Cindy, lock me in a room with this man. I would say to this man, I'm not an eight-year-old girl. What will you do to me, Jerry? I was infuriated. I was just absolutely incest with, uh, I couldn't even think straight with what I would do with this guy. I was just beyond, even when I think about it now, an eight-year-old girl stabbed to death, stabbed in the eyes, prison is not enough. I wanted to lock me in a room with him and then come back an hour later and see who's standing. He was, you know, and as you read the paper and headlines, I have clippings and copies of headlines of, uh, you know, Ohio mother indicted in microwave death of her baby, child's father arrested in decapitation case, you know, a man dropped a four-year-old in a bathtub full of scalding water. When you read things like this, you realize these are not people. These are animals and they're disguised as people. And when we put them in prison, I don't believe we can rehabilitate these people. I think they're wired to kill. So I told Cindy, put me in a room with this guy. Cindy said, we need to have a place where you can do to them what they did to their victims. And she said, and Cindy Kennedy actually named this book in 2005. She said, well, we can call it the criminal zoo. It can be like a petting zoo. Only we get to interact with them how we want. And I, that conversation simmered in my mind for two years. I didn't write this book till 2007. The writing of the book was relatively easy because I wrote with anger. I wrote this book in about five months. Now, I've rewritten it for 10 years. That's been the tough part. So... And that with research, what's that? No, go ahead, go ahead. I didn't interrupt. With research, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the ID channel, uh, different magazines, Criminal Minds magazines. Now, I also have a forensic neuropsychologist and former homicide investigator with the Oakland Police Department, a gentleman named Dr. Eldon Olson. You know, when it came to trying to understand the, the mentality, the, the thought process of an individual like Samuel Bradbury, you know, I don't have bodies hidden in my basement, none that will be discovered anyway, 
So I had to research, I had to read, and I had to watch documentaries. And, um, you know, to quote Dr. Eldon Olson, he says, Sean McDaniel captures the mind of a pathological narcissist and hits upon a solution thought about, yet never openly discussed in criminology. He presents an underlying visceral attempt in dealing with the truly psychopathic criminal. I have studied the psychopathic mental process for more than 40 years. Sean accurately peels away the layers, revealing what lies in the depths of the pathological narcissistic mind. I started reading and could not stop. Well, that's his quote on my work, but I owe it to him because he guided me most of the way. So I did have a lot of help. I don't have the education to understand exactly how the psycho, the, the sociopath thinks, but I'm not afraid to read and ask questions. How did you learn about your sociopath? Well, I was actually going to recommend a book to you by a man that I also interviewed, uh, and it's called Violence, and it's by Dr. James Gilligan. And uh, he was, uh, he's a psychiatrist who was in charge of, I think it's the Massachusetts Maximum Security. And he was just interested in, uh, you know, people who were, you know, like living dead is one of the ways that he describes them, you know, who people who would, for example, uh, hurt themselves in order to feel anything. And they were generally psychopaths who had murdered in hideous ways. And it's a fascinating uh, and I think powerful, not excuse, but uh, at least an explanation of what happens to people to get to this place. And I got very interested in it. And so I created a character who I call Teaser, uh, who, and, and this is not his book in the way that, you know, you write Samuel in the first person and, you know, it's his voice. This is not Teaser's book, although we shift points of view and some of the time it's his point of view. But now, is, teaser, with, is, is Teaser a character in your Corey Logan thriller trilogy? Yes. yes. Okay, because I do, I will be grabbing that uh, immediately. Uh, I want if you're going to read the, if you're going to read the Corey Logan books, if you have time, you know, and again, I understand how it, you know, takes a long time to read a book, so you know, uh, time. Um, you might want to start with the first one, which is Inside Passage, and Teaser okay. is the second one. I mean, you can read; they're all standalone, but it helps if you've read the first one and you understand how Abe and Corey met. I would think that it would make Teaser. Uh, resonate more uh, because they're married by the time you get the teaser and it's important to, to know what happened between them. I look forward uh, to reading them. That would be great. That would be great. Uh, now on your book you Violence read? by Dr. James who, who wrote Violence? What, I'm Gilligan. writing it down. James Gilligan. G-I-L-L-I-G-A-N. So do you think he taught, he got much grief for his last name, Gilligan? I loved that show, Gilligan's Island. One of my favorites <laughs> as a kid. Well, maybe that's why he ended up doing what he did. Uh, but it's, uh, I'm just trying to think. Uh, yeah, it's called Violence, Our Deadly Epidemic and Its Causes. Yeah, well, I'll be, I will be picking up two books, Violence and Inside Passage. That would be great. Um are you writing another book? Are you, I mean, is this sort of uh, the beginning of something or are you just 
Well, I, I don't know what I can tell you here because the publisher, you know, Tyson and Pat, yes, I am working on another manuscript. I just finished a rewrite, and I guess I'm instructed to be careful on what I reveal about this manuscript. Let's just say it is very, very closely tied to Primozoo. Yes. That's what I was wondering, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But it's it's a it's a big secret, so don't tell anybody. I won't. I won't. Um, are you a fisherman? Do you get out and around buildings and? You know, here's the sad thing: in the state that a river runs through it, by Norman McLean, you know, my father and my brother are avid fly fishermen. They're down in New Mexico. And uh, we meet in Pagosa Springs in Colorado, the Four Corners area, Colorado, Durango in that area. You know, going back to my birthplace of Durango. And uh, my father and brother are avid fly fishermen. They're very accomplished at it. They try to teach me now and again, but you would be uh, unimpressed with my cat. It seems yeah. that I have trouble getting my lead any further than about two feet in front of my feet, my pole. So unless the fish are swimming right up to shore for me, I'm not going to put them at risk. I, yeah. You know, I'm old school. Throw a worm on a, on a fly reel or a, a rod and cast it. I, I have done that, but I haven't done it in a while. And that's something I wish that I would be able to do more of. So, uh, you know, that's something I would pursue. I would learn. How about you now? You spent a lot of time in Yellowstone. Uh, do you get me outdoors a lot? Do you like to fly fish? What do you do? Yeah, you know, I'm an avid fly fisherman. I uh, fish, oh, I don't know, I want to say 30 to 50 days a year with my son from we oh, were living good. in Seattle at the time. And, you know, I, it's, I value that time so much. And then my daughter, when she got to be old enough, I actually took Tyson fly fishing the last couple summers for a couple of days and taught him to fly fish. I've taught a lot of kids to fly fish because uh, when my kids were young, a lot of their friends were interested. So I've spent a lot of time both fishing and teaching fly fishing. So I love it. Do you take on hard cases? I might oh, yeah, have to sign hard <laughs> I'm a hard case. I don't think anyone's a hard case. I think that it's just a question of uh, getting uh, comfortable with it and, uh, it's not that you know what I would what I would like to do is you know obviously move into my next again 25 years in the gym business as a personal trainer. My schedules are tied to my client schedule, so I don't have as much free time as I'd like to get out and to learn how to fly fish. You know, in the business world, it said uh, time is money, but in the writing world, you know, money is time. So I hope to have some success with Criminal Zoo. I hope to uh, maybe have it free up a little bit more time because like you talked about going fishing with your son, with your daughter, you know, I would, I have, uh, I have children, I have four kids in my life and I would love to learn something like fly fishing that I could take them out and show them and the quality time. Well, you know you what know? I recommend? Learn with them. I learned fly fishing with my son. He was seven, and, you know, I was much older than that. But we learned together. 
And to this day, it's something that we have together. I mean, with this last summer, we fished for four days in on the Madison River in Montana. And uh, uh, it's very special kind of history together. We sort of figured it out together. And, uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? He wrote his senior thesis in the history department at Stanford on the Madison River fishery, and that came from years of fishing there together. So the Madison, do you head up to like Bozeman? Do you, where do you access we, it? We fly into Bozeman and then we okay. drive and we're between Ennis and West Yellowstone. So we're so on the Madison, a very remote area of the Madison. And you know, the Madison Valley is mostly ranchers. It's not very touristy. So we've, uh, we have a place that we rent and uh, I try to get out there for a month every summer. Well, luckily, the world doesn't realize the beauty the area you're talking about between Yellowstone and Ennis is, as you know, it's as beautiful as any place on this planet. We Isn't should keep that up too. Valley? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. No, I just every time I come up over the hill and look down on the whole valley, it just takes my breath away. Okay, now next time you come up, feel free to give me a call and say, "Hey, let's go fly fishing," because I'd sure like to learn. All right. Well, listen, it's been great talking to you. I'm glad I had the opportunity to read your book. I wish you well. I don't know what your publishing schedule is and so on and so forth. Okay. Well, so it's Rare Bird Books out of Los Angeles. As uh, you're, you're being published with them also, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the book is scheduled. It's slated for publication November 15th, but I think we're going to have an early release. I think we're going to release... October 31st. I think we're going to do a Halloween release and we're going to do a, a book launch here in Billings October 28th at a new bookstore that's opening up downtown Billings, This House of Books. So October 28th, 6 p.m. If anyone's listening to this that's in the Billings area, I'd love to have you come down. Uh, it is my debut novel. I I had a, a great time with this process, you know, meeting people like you, the, the amazing people at Rare Bird Books. I mean, Tyson, Julia, everyone has been so wonderful to work with and guiding me along, you know, thus far, after the 15 years of trying to get to this point, once I got to the point of working with the publishing house and Pat Walsh at Defenestration Press, you know, I've had a, a wonderful experience with this. And, Bert, I look forward to spending time with writers such as yourself. I think that the guidance that you can offer, I think I have a lot to learn, but I'm willing to learn. You know, I, there's well, so much to learn. Go ahead. I want to I echo your praise for Tyson and Julia and Rare Bird. I've had a wonderful experience. Uh, on four books with them, and um, the books are beautiful, and uh, you know the editorial process has been helpful and constructive. I mean, I hear so much many writers complain about their publishers, and I just haven't had that kind of experience. And I have a new book out. It's called Minos. It's the third book in the Corey Logan trilogy. And you can go to my website if you're listening: www.bertweisford.com. 
www.weissboard.com, and you can get information about all of the books. And, Sean, I wish you the very best with your launch, with your future writing, and I hope to continue the conversation in one way or another. Well, I do appreciate it, and I will leave you with this. You said something very important. You said after you read the book, it stuck with you. As an author, as a writer, my objective is to reach you, is to touch you. Now, whether you are adamantly for criminal zoo or vehemently against it, what I want you to do is have passion one way or another for it. You know, it's it's definitely going to be a controversial issue. We're talking about torturing human beings, but in my mind, they're not human beings, they're animals. So my point, I, I hope that I did touch you with the book. Yes, it's it's dark. This is not the Disney version, but I think you know, my hope is that it stays with you for a long time. And the next time you read an article about sex predator, you know, ex-convict released to kill again, you wonder, you know, think to yourself, would I release this man? Or is there a better way to deal with these people? And I'm not trying to rewrite our constitution and change our society, but I definitely want to give you something else to think about. So I'll leave you with well, that. Thank you both for having me. Well, thank you. And it did stick with me. I'm not sure that I share your point of view, but it certainly uh, is something that is provocative and has made me think. So thank you for that. Now, will, and, will I see you? Will I be seeing you in VoucherCon in New Orleans? Yes. Yes, I am going to. 